Well, good morning. It's good to see all of you, those of you who are visiting with us. We want to say a very special word of welcome to you. We're glad you could be here today, and uh, we'll hope you come back. You especially need to come back because Ben comes back next week, and, and after this morning, you're going to say, thank you, Jesus. Ben's coming back. <laughs> but seriously, though, it is, it's great to see all of you and those of you who are visiting with us. We uh, hope you'll come back and visit with us again. <clears throat> As you notice in your bulletin, our scripture lesson this morning is taken from the gospel according to Luke, verses 25 through 35. And if you have your Bibles with you, would encourage you to uh, turn to Luke and follow along as we read this portion of God's holy word. <clears throat> Here now the reading of God's word, Luke chapter 14, <clears throat> verses 25 through 33. Now great crowds accompanied him. And he turned and he said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he is able, has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king will, with war, in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. And then 33, So therefore, anyone who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Amen. <clears throat> the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God remains. Amen. <clears throat> Let's just bow for a word of prayer as we... We ask God's blessing upon our study of His Word this morning. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank You for the... Lord, what a privilege it is to be able to come and to gather in, in Your house, in Your name, among Your people. And Father, we thank You for these precious words that You've given to us. And Lord, our prayer would be that as we look and think and study, that Your Holy Spirit would just open our minds and our hearts so that indeed that we might understand Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> if you look in your bulletin this morning, you will see that our sermon topic is listed there, discipleship. Now, when we, when we think about that, the obvious question is, well, what in the world is that all about, discipleship? Well, Warren Webster made a statement one time, and it sort of, to me, is a great summary of what discipleship is all about. And he said this, he said, if I could live my life over again, I would spend my life trying to change the lives of men and women. He said, because you haven't really changed anything, 
until you change the lives of men and women. Well, that kind of sums it up, doesn't it? Nothing really changes until people change. And you see, this morning, as we're looking at these verses, you see, that's what discipleship is all about. Changing the lives of people. Before Jesus ascended into heaven, he got his disciples together, he gathered them together, and he said to them, Go and make disciples of all the nations. Again now, raises the question, what is a disciple? What does a disciple look like? You see, that's the question. Well, now, in these verses we're looking at this morning, Jesus has some very strong words. And therefore, we need to understand what these words are saying because these are very strong words. Now, in verse 25, we see where it says that a multitude of people were gathering around Jesus. And so Jesus turns to them, and we see that he points out to them exactly what it means to be a disciple. For example, three times he points out what's involved. Look at verse 26. He says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And then verse 27, and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And then verse 33, so likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be be my disciple. Here we see we get at the heart of the matter, the heart of following Christ. You know, somebody has made the statement and they said, there are three kinds of believers. You've got, you've got true believers, you've got false believers, and then you've got make believers. And as we look at this, you see that what Jesus is doing here, Jesus is pointing out the difference between we might say those who are just onlookers and those who are true followers of Jesus. <clears throat> true followers. Now, when we say that, then obviously that raises a question. What does it mean to be a true follower of Jesus? What does that mean? <clears throat> well, in these verses that we just read, Jesus mentions three things. Three times he lists this. <clears throat> and he says, being a follower of Jesus... It involves three areas of our lives. It involves our relationships. It involves our personal desires. And then it involves our, our possessions. Now, as we think about that, let's, let's dig in and develop that just a little bit. <clears throat> so first of all, as we see in verse 26, Jesus says, being a disciple involves personal relationships. <clears throat> Verse 26 again, if anyone comes to me and he does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, then he cannot be my disciple. I mean, we read that and we say, wow, man, that's strong. That's powerful. He says that we have to hate father, mother, husband, wife, brother, sister, even our own children. Obviously, though, as we read that, Jesus is not saying 
that we are to be mean and we are to be hateful when it comes to our parents. Obviously that. And we know that because of the fact that the Bible teaches throughout that we are to show respect to our parents and other people. So obviously that's not what he is saying. So therefore, as we read that, there's got to be some other, some other explanation. Well, obviously it is. <clears throat> you see, think of it like this. You see, when Jesus uses the word hate here, he's speaking in terms of priority. In other words, comparison. And Jesus is saying, watch this. Jesus is saying here that our love for Jesus, it must be so great, it must be so strong, it must be, it must be so powerful that any other love in comparison to that doesn't even seem like love at all. You see, that's the, that's the idea here. <clears throat> the Lord must come first, even before those precious relationships we have with our, our family members. Jesus must come first. That's what he's saying. Let me illustrate this, I think, with something I, I read and ran across a while back. <clears throat> It's the story of a man named Jim. Jim was an army chaplain. And he was stationed overseas. And the time for his, he had fulfilled his time, and the time for him requesting to go home uh, came along. And so he could have gone, he could have requested and gone back home. I mean, after all, he had a sweet wife and two, two sweet children back home. And, of course, he missed them, and, and they missed him, and, and they were just longing for him uh, to come back. But as Jim considered, and as he prayed about the situation, Jim just did not feel like God was finished with him in that particular location. Jim had a great ministry going with the guys there. Some of the people had come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, and there were a list of other men who were in the process of being discipled. And so Jim did not feel like he could just up and leave at that particular point. <clears throat> and so he put in for an extended tour of, of duty. Now, you see, to some, that might seem like, oh boy, he didn't care about his family. Uh, he didn't really love his, his wife and his children. But no, you see, Jim was simply saying to God, God, I know that you have a work for me to do right here, and I know that you're not finished with this. And you see, this is what God is saying here, what Jesus is saying. He's talking in terms of priority, and he's simply saying, Jesus must come first. Jesus must be number one. And you see, when you look back at Jim, you see Jim's love for Jesus was so great, so great, that it made, it made it appear like, well, gosh, he didn't, he didn't even care about his family. You see, this is what Jesus is talking about here when he talks about hating father and mother, husband, wife, children. Being a disciple means we're going to put Jesus first. Jesus must come first. And so it means that we love Jesus so much that when you compare our love for Jesus with any other love, well, that any other love is not even going to seem like true love. 
The Lord must come first. He must be number one. <clears throat> now, I know that's hard. Boy, that's difficult. That's tough to wrestle with. But you see, that's exactly what this passage is saying to us today. <clears throat> first of all, Jesus is saying, being a disciple involves our relationships. But you know, it doesn't stop there. He goes on, and there's a second thing he says. Being a disciple involves our personal desires. Look at verse 27. <clears throat> he says, whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. You say, well, now what's this business? What's this business about carrying a cross? What's that all about? <clears throat> well, in the first century, you know, the cross was an instrument of death. <clears throat> These people knew this. And these people understood this. The cross meant death. And you see, Jesus is using this illustration. He's using the illustration of the cross, which is instrument of death. And he is teaching us a very, very important lesson when it comes to discipleship. <clears throat> you see, Jesus is saying this. If anyone wants to be my disciple, my disciple, then... He must be willing to take our own sinful, selfish wants and desires and literally nail them to the cross. And that means we put them to death. You see what this is saying? Very simply is this. If we are true followers of Jesus, then we are going to say no to self. No to our own personal selfish desires. And we're going to say yes, yes to Jesus and what God wants for us. <clears throat> Let me show you a, a, a verse from uh, the book of Romans, which I think really helps us perhaps to get a, a better understanding of this. In chap, uh, chapter 12, verse 1, the Apostle Paul writing to Christians, Paul says, I urge you, brethren, brethren that is, Christian men, Christian women, older men, older women, Young people, young people. He says, I urge you, all of you Christians, by the mercies of God, that you would present your bodies a living and a holy sacrifice unto the Lord. You know, it's kind of like that Nike commercial. Paul says, hey, just do it. That's the idea there. <clears throat> now, whenever we say this, this raises a question. <clears throat> but now, can we really... Can we really do that? That is, present our bodies a living and a holy sacrifice. Can we do that? Well, think of it like this. If it were not possible, you see, God would not ask it of us. God would not require us of it. Now, that's not to say that it's going to be easy. But you see, the point is, by God's grace and by God's mercy... We can do whatever it is that God wants us to be. <clears throat> but now, it won't be easy again. And you see, the reason it's not going to be easy is because we all have a problem. And what is that problem? We want to do it our way. I love the way Isaiah 53 puts it. He says, all we like sheep have gone astray, and we have turned everyone to our own way. Note that. Our own way. 
You know, as we consider all of this, there are a couple of questions <clears throat> that I think would be so helpful to us if we would just zero in on these questions, if we would ask these, these particular questions. <clears throat> this will help us to see how it is that we sit and stand with Jesus when it comes to personal desires. Two questions. First of all, ask ourselves this. All right, what are our goals? What are our desires? What are our plans? Think about this. Have we taken those before the Lord? And have we said to the Lord, I want your direction. Lord, I want your approval on what I'm doing. In other words, Lord, I want your okay. And Lord, I want to be doing exactly what you want me to do. And see the question, are we thinking like that? Have we asked those questions? Have we put those questions? <clears throat> and you see, if we're not doing that, you see, Jesus says, we're not carrying the cross. That's the idea. The idea of putting to death those things. It would be contrary to, to, to God and, and to Jesus. <clears throat> but now there's a second question that fits right in with this. And that is, as the Lord begins to reveal His will to us and as He begins to show us His goal for our lives and what He wants us to do, then the question is this. Are we willing to make the necessary changes? You see, the point is, we cannot be a true disciple of Jesus if we're not willing to follow His leading. <clears throat> so being a follower of Jesus, we've said, first of all, we said it has to do with personal relationships. And secondly, we see here, it has to do with our own personal desires. But now there's a third thing here. <clears throat> we notice being a disciple involves personal possessions. Look at verse 33. <clears throat> Anyone who does not give up everything he has cannot be, cannot be my disciple. And we say, Lord, are you saying that I'm not supposed to own anything? Well, No. That's not the, the, the point at all. But what he is saying here is, but nothing is supposed to own us. You see, that's, that's the whole idea. You remember the story of the rich young ruler? This man came to Jesus, and he said to Jesus, what must I do in order to have eternal life? And you remember what Jesus said? He said, go and sell what you have and give that to the poor. And then come back and follow me. <clears throat> you see, Jesus knew that this man's wealth had first place in his life. Jesus knew that this man's money or his wealth had become his God. And you see what Jesus is saying to him. He says, you need to get rid of that false God. <clears throat> now, understand, this is not a condemnation of money possessions, wealth. No, not, not at all. But you see, what Jesus is saying here is, but now we must not let our money become our God. It cannot become our God or anything else like that. <clears throat> you see, that's what he was saying to the rich young ruler. But now when we come back, you see, that's exactly what Jesus is saying right here in, in these particular verses. <clears throat> 
Again, there's nothing wrong with possessions. There's nothing wrong with our money, our stuff. But the problem is, he says, but if we allow these things to control us, then that's where the problem is. You see, this is going to prevent us from being the man or the woman or the young person that God would have us to be. Jesus says, a disciple has the Lord as top priority. And a disciple has his possessions, his stuff, in proper perspective. You see, that's the idea. Well, so what do we, what do we learn from this? What do, we, what do we draw from these verses? <clears throat> well, first of all, being a disciple means Jesus is number one in my life, in your life. Jesus comes first. Secondly, you see, we see here, being a disciple means that we are willing to yield our personal desires, our personal goals, our personal ambitions, and whatever it is, we are willing to yield it to Jesus, and we're willing to say, Jesus, what do you want? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to be? And then thirdly, we see being a disciple means that we are willing to say, Lord, Everything I have, it comes from you. Lord, it's yours. I'm merely a steward of it. Lord, show me how I can use it for your glory and to glorify and honor you. Jesus says, that's what it means to be a disciple. Now, you know, this would be a great place just to stop, wouldn't it? I mean, you think he, he said it all. But no. As you look at these verses, there's something else here. Jesus adds something else, and it's important that we understand what he is saying here. Now, look again at verse 28. Jesus says, For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish All who see it began to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. And then look at verse 31. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with his 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with his 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way way off, he sends a delegation. And he asked for terms of peace. Now, we we read that. We say, well, wait a minute. What does all of that have to do with discipleship? I mean, why does Jesus add all of this? Well, for this reason. Because, you see, he wants us up front to know exactly what's involved. He doesn't want us to go into any of it blindly. And that's the reason he adds it. <clears throat> you know, Pilgrim's Progress, in Pilgrim's Progress, John Bunyan gives us a, a, a beautiful picture of someone who appears to be a true follower of Jesus. <clears throat> but yet, he didn't understand everything. And as he goes along, you see that becomes his downfall. <clears throat> Well, now, the story, uh, Pilgrim's Progress is the story of Christian who's making his journey from the city of destruction to the celestial city. That is, he's living the Christian life. <clears throat> and so as he's going, 
he meets up with all kinds of people. Now, one of the uh, persons that one of the people he meets up with is a man named Pliable. <clears throat> and so as they are walking along and Pliable is going with, uh, with Christian and they are talking about the things of the Lord and they are, they're talking about <clears throat> how exciting it is to, to be a, a follower of, of Jesus. And Pliable gets all excited about this and he wants to hear more and more and, and they, really get, uh, they really get all carried away in this. <clears throat> but as they walk along and as they're talking... Bunyan says, they're not watching where they're going. And they fall into what Bunyan calls the slough. Really, just be, it's, it's really just a big mud hole. And the slough represents the problems and the difficulties and the hardships that, that we're going to face along the way as we take a firm stand for Jesus, as we try to live for Jesus, as we say that we hold to His Word. Certainly, there are going to be hardships and problems. <clears throat> but you see, at this point, Pliable gets angry. And he said, well, you didn't tell me about all of this. You didn't tell me that following Jesus could possibly, you know, mean any problems or, or troubles or, or difficulties. And so Pliable gets mad. I don't know more of that. And he leaves. And you see... The point here is Jesus doesn't stop simply with talking about discipleship, but he wants us to go on and understand exactly what is involved. What's involved? <clears throat> he wants us to count the cost. And so what do we have here? <clears throat> what do we have here? You see, Jesus is saying to us in these verses, it takes a special person to be a follower of Christ to be a disciple. It takes a person that is special in the sense that he or she is willing to say, Jesus is number one in my life. Serving Jesus is the most important thing, the most important thing in my life. It also takes a person who is willing to say, Lord, your will be done in my life. Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, I want to be the man, the woman, the young person that you want me to be. Tell me what to do. <clears throat> and then thirdly, it takes a, a person who is willing to say, Lord, everything I have, it is yours. I'm just merely a, a steward of it. <clears throat> my life, my job, all of my possessions, Lord, they are yours. Lord, just show me. Just show me. How I can use them for you. <clears throat> In closing, let me just share something I heard a man say as he was giving his testimony of his faith and trust in Jesus for salvation. <clears throat> and he said this. He said, life is like a coin. He said, you can spend that any way you want to. But you can only spend it once. How true that is. As we think about these things that <clears throat> we've seen this morning, I trust that all of us perhaps will, I put myself at the top of the list, will consider, will consider the question. And the question that we ought to all be considering is this. How are we spending our life? That's the big question.
how are we spending our life? And you see, God is saying to us this morning, there is no greater, there is no higher calling, there's no more satisfying, there's no more rewarding calling than to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray together.